Good morning. It's great to be with you uh, again. Sorry it took us four hours to get here from Los Angeles. We were uh, stopped in traffic. We were just trying to relax and say, uh, say, stay stress-free. Uh, three of the homies are out there, uh, uh, Carlos, uh, Milton, and Robert, uh, happy to take your money from you as you go to your next class. So there's they're, they're, uh, slanging shirts and uh, caps and uh, the whole nine yards. Today I'd like to talk about today, um, if I could. Uh, November 28th, 2001 uh, has come today, has never been before, will never be here again. At midnight it ends to be gone forever. The prophet Nehemiah writes, Today is holy to the Lord. Do not be saddened this day, for rejoicing in the Lord must be our strength. Today, Jesus hangs on the cross with two ladrones on either side of him. And one of them says that he wants to be a part of him and to enter into his kingdom. And Jesus looks at him with great love and he says, This day you will be with me in paradise. Part of our problem, I think, is that we think always that paradise is about tomorrow and we forget to take Jesus at his word this day with me. Paradise. But because we don't have the eyes to see God present in the world and in God's poor, we neglect to recognize that this day Jesus offers us paradise with him. I give a lot of talks all over the place, and I, I got invited not long ago uh, to go to some a fancy schmancy um, beach hotel where they're going to have a conference, and we got there a little bit early, and I brought two homies with me, Anthony and Joshua. Both of them are enemies, and uh, they're both from enemy gangs, and uh, they weren't that comfortable being with each other, but uh, we got there a little bit early, and I said, well, let's go check out the beach. So we went to this overhang, and we could look out uh, at the water, and the sun was setting, and uh, people were walking on the boardwalk below us, and... Uh, there was this really cute old couple about like in their 80s and they had their arms locked and they were like little sweethearts and they were looking at each other. He would kind of kiss her and she would rest her head on his shoulder and Joshua looks at them and says, that's disgusting. And then Anthony goes, yeah, get a room, he says to the two of them. And I go, what, what are you talking about? That's disgusting. And Joshua goes, well, I mean, look at them. It's only obvious they're under the influence of Viagra. Well, the two of them cracked up and it just broke through and suddenly we had the kingdom of God exactly as God would have imagined it. <laughs> Which is to say enemies laughing with each other. This day, with me, paradise. The Desert Fathers, uh, centuries ago, whenever they got distressed about something and found themselves greatly tempted by despair, they would say one word over and over again, and the word wasn't Jesus, and the word wasn't God. The word was today. Jesus wants us to be here with each other, with him, paradise. If we can just have the eyes to recognize and see. At Jobs for a Future, we locate the uh, jobs and uh, think that it sort of uh, introduces a sense of hope to young men and women for whom hope is foreign. 
And a lot of it has to do with convincing employers to hire the homies, which is a hard sell sometimes. And I remember once I met this guy, Danny, who was living in a car. Both his parents had uh, abandoned him. They were heroin addicts and long gone. He was supporting himself by selling PCP. And I remember uh, asking him, hey, Mijo, if I got you a job, is there something you'd like to learn to do? And he said, I want to be a mechanic. I don't know anything about cars, but I want to be a mechanic. So I went to my mechanic, who uh, uh, a Japanese-American older fellow named Dennis. He's not a man of few words. He's a man of no words. This guy just doesn't speak. He just chain smokes. He has a cigarette one after another. He lights a cigarette, and you hand him the keys to your car, and they say there's a noise under the hood, and fix it, and he just takes the cigarette and smokes. The next day, he gives you your car and the bill. No words have been exchanged in the course of these two days, you know. And, and so I go in there and say, hey, Dennis, you know, hire this kid, Danny. If you hire this kid, it'll have a ripple effect. It won't just be one job, one kid. It'll create peace, Nobel Peace Prize. I have the good drama. I got my shovel out, and he's just taking long drags on a cigarette and saying not a word. And, but really, if you hire this kid, and on and on, etc., and I have my cat and my, and my cane and my whole nine yards, nothing. I'm not getting anywhere with this guy. And finally, I stopped. I figured, oh, well, it was worth the try. And finally, Dennis takes one long drag on his cigarette. And this is the only thing he said to me that day. I will teach him everything I know. This day, with me, paradise. The kingdom of God such that God would recognize it. And so Danny worked there for about five years and learned everything there is to know about being a mechanic. And uh, I was on a sabbatical uh, shortly thereafter, and he used to write me letters telling me about, you know, I learned how to do a lube job, and I learned how to fix a carburetor or whatever it was. And, and finally, I get a picture sent to me, and there is Danny in his little work shirt with Danny emblazoned here, face covered with uh, axle grease, you know, and big, huge smile on his face, and no question at all that this job had changed his life. But there, standing next to him with his arm around him, with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, Dennis, equally certain that having offered this kid a chance, had changed his. This day, with me, paradise. There's an inmate on death row at San Quentin who writes, Every day we have one day. That's all we have to recognize God in our midst, the God who calls us to stand with those who are on the margins, with those who are voiceless and powerless, with those whose dignity has been denied, with those whose burdens are more than they can bear. And we stand and we wait and we accompany and we look for God present in this paradise that he's offered to us if we have the eyes to see. There, there's a homie uh, who uh, got out of camp recently. His name is Moreno. And he's kind of a tough kid. And he's uh, really a surly kind of guy. And he's always kind of has this mad doggy face on. And, um, and one of his issues, I think, is that he's mal hablado. Every other word is a four-letter word, you know. And, and, and he just says it without thinking. It doesn't mean to harm anybody. or to, But it just kind of pops out of his mouth. And I said, Mijo, I'm about to send you to a job, you know, and you really can't be talking like that, you know. You have to work on that. You have to tone that down. He goes, okay, I'll try. Two nights later, I come home in my voicemail. Uh, it's a message from Moreno, and he's asking me to help him get into uh, college. And, and he begins 
Yeah, gee, this is Moreno and shit. I mean, let me rephrase that. This is Moreno and feces. Which I think we'll all agree is progress. This day, with me, paradise, if you just have the eyes to see it. I remember once I had closed up my office around 8 o'clock at night and I was driving to the projects and, and I see uh, uh, this homie Mike and he's waiting at the bus stop and he's dressed in kind of his hospital uh, messenger uniform. We had gotten him a job six months before at White Memorial Hospital. He had been a knucklehead before. He was just uh, hanging, banging and slanging, shooting, dealing drugs in and out of jail and detention facilities. And then he decided to recognize the truth of who he was, that he was exactly what God had in mind when God made him. And so he decided to inhabit that truth, to become that truth, and nothing was the same again. So he and his lady and his two sons, uh, he's only 20, they live over in Highland Park, which is a kind of a distance from uh, the housing projects where his gang hangs out. And I see him waiting for the bus, so I, I said, get in. I'm going to take you home. I said, how are you doing, dog? And he goes, good. I said, how are you doing on your bills and stuff? And he goes, well, I think I'm okay this month. I've paid all my bills. I, I don't have anything left, but I paid all my bills. He goes, you know what I'm going to do right now when I get home? And I said, what's that, Michael? The four of us, we sit down to eat. But I don't eat. I just watch them eat. I know, my lady, she gets crazy with me. She gets low-key and she starts saying, you know, why don't you eat? And I said, no, I watch them eat. And I watch and I watch and I'm so filled with gratitude to God because they're in my life. And when they're done and I know they're full, then and only then do I eat. And the truth is, sometimes there's food left and sometimes there isn't. You know, it's a father thing. And suddenly there's God so quickly, this day, with him, paradise. If we have the eyes to see it. I asked a homie once, uh, how you doing today? And he goes, well... I'm looking for God every day that he goes by, he says. Attentive this day to the presence of God, of the God who loves us without measure and without regret, who chooses to walk with us no matter what. A number of years ago, uh, at midnight, a kid named Nelson was walking home to his lady who was uh, eight months pregnant with their first child and a car pulled up and windows were rolled down and words were volleyed back and forth and finally a bullet came and hit Nelson 19 years old and he fell to the ground in the middle of the street his girlfriend Maricela ran to him for he was only a block away from their home and she cradled him in her arms and she rocked back and forth, and she cried, and her screams pierced the night. I didn't get any sleep that night, 
and uh, the next day I had to say mass at one of the probation camps, and I didn't want to go. I almost called and said, would you mind if I didn't come in today? This was a kid I knew since he was a little, little kid. But I knew I had to go to camp because I had to baptize that day Louis. And Louis was an 18-year-old who uh, had decided on his own to be baptized. This was his decision, and he was so happy when he saw me drive up. It was the hardest baptism I ever had to do. I stood there, and I looked at him, and I said, What is your name? And he says, Louis. And I said, Louis, what do you ask of God's church? And he said, Baptism. And as I poured water over his head, Father, Son, Spirit, and anointed him with oil, I knew that after Mass, I'd have to walk outside with him as I did and put my arm around him as I did and lean into his ear and tell him, Michal, your brother Nelson was killed last night. And Louis stopped in his tracks and he cried and he cried. But was, what was most absent in that moment was a sense of hatred and anger and a desire for revenge. In fact, there was a sense of peace, even paradise. Jesus looks at us and he promises us with a certainty and a truth, this day with me, paradise. He asks us to stop waiting for it to come tomorrow because this day, November 28, 2001, will end at midnight, has never been before, and will never come again. For every day, we have but one day, and it is today. And God calls us then to find the very pulse of God in our lives and in our world and in our cities and to live from the very center and to live as though the truth were true, imitating the kind of God we believe in who offers us this day with him paradise. Thank you.